Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, and we are back with our Big Ten preseason breakdown. Uh, and coming in at number two, Rod, Illinois. Um, they went 21-10 and 10 overall last year, 13-7 and 7 in the league. Um, you know, they finished 30th in Ken Palm, 39th in the net. And Brad Underwood sort of finally it breaks through here. Um, he got two big guys to come back. Um, so it looks like they're on track for a good season. Yeah, I mean, he had the breakthrough. And it says something about where Illinois has fallen to, that a season that was pretty good, but, you know, at Michigan State, we wouldn't be doing cartwheels over it by any means, um, is the best year they've had in like a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a program that was used to much better things for a long time. Uh, I think it was big for Underwood on, on a couple levels. One, it's just that he finally had a winning season. Mm-hmm. You know, they were going to be in the tournament, no question. They finished a game out of a four-way tie for a Big Ten championship. So pretty impressive. And I think the the bigger thing to me, though, is he demonstrated – a willingness and an ability to shift gears in a way that will make it possible for him to compete in this league. Because I had real questions about that after his first two seasons. Yeah. You know, he was a guy who had been a long-term assistant, had a track record there. Then he took over Stephen F. Austin and really turned them into an elite low major program. I mean, they were really good at that level. And then he got hired at Oklahoma State, and he was only there one year and got him into the tournament. They lost to Michigan in a first-round game, but, you know, got him there. So you had to be impressed with that in a first year. Mm -hmm. And then he takes the Illinois job because it was a falling out with the athletic department. Um, And he came in with this style of play that was predicated on kind of chaos, it's a lot of full court and half court trapping pressure, extreme pressure, the likes of which you don't typically see anymore at the high major level. Mm-mm. And then offensively, of course, is like every coach who comes in the Big Ten, it seems. I want, except for Steve Peichel, which is part of why I like Steve Peichel. Because he's <laughs> a realist. Most of these guys come in, and the first thing they're saying is, we want to play fast. Mm-hmm. All right, great. You tell me about playing fast when you're at Cole and Madison in the middle of January. <laughs> Tell me about that, how that goes. And, and what happened is his style of play was a brutal 
abysmal failure Mm -hmm. because I believe it's been proven now over a long stretch of time. If you are going to try and press consistently, trapping pressure, not man pressure, that's defensible. But trapping pressure where you're gambling, you're trying to get odd man combinations that force turnovers. The Big Ten, the coaching is too good, the scouting's too good, and the guard play is too good. You will get shredded. Mm-hmm. I go back to that game Michigan State played in Champaign his first year. That is the, that, one of the stupidest things. They always stayed relatively close considering they were a bad team and Michigan State was a Big Ten champion. Mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it ended up like a ten-point margin, something like that. But that game basically came down to one of two things happening: <laughs> either Illinois generated a turnover, or Michigan State got a dunk, and that's all it was. There wasn't much else when Michigan State had the ball, and Michigan State, even though they turned the ball over way more than they want to, they still had way too many dunks. <laughs> yeah. You just can't thrive that way. To his credit. Last year, and I think it was a combination of realization of that fact and also the, the fact that he had a little different roster, um, he didn't do that anymore. He changed it up and instead ditched the pressure and played more of a straight-up, conventional, man, half-court defensive approach. And lo and behold, Illinois got a lot better defensively and they won a lot more games. Now, their talent was better. That's true, too. But that team, if they had played the same style he had played his first two years, you know what? I'd bet the house they would have been sub-500 again in the league and mm. not 13-7. It just can't work. And so if he's learned that lesson definitively and going forward, they're going to play that way, then I think continued good things will probably happen. I know there's some concern about their recruiting in this current 2021 class they're swinging and missing on a lot of guys but you know brad underwood's a good coach and i'm impressed with what he did last season proving that he can adjust you know great ones often have to do that john beeline finally got religion yeah after a decade at michigan that hey if we don't check somebody it's hard for us to win at the levels we want to and they started guarding people and they got better um, you know, Izzo has tweaked his thing many times over the years. People don't realize how much the changes that they have made over the years and, and back and forth sometimes, depending upon his roster. Uh-huh. It's maybe more subtle than these dramatic shifts that like Illinois had, but Michigan State adjusts, believe it. And, and the fact that Underwood did that and presumably is going to continue to do that this year, that gives me some faith they might have finally found the guy who, Maybe doesn't turn them into the powerhouse their fan base thinks they should be, but at least gets them back in consistent position to be a tournament team mm-hmm. and occasionally to contend for things like Big Ten championships, which I think they should this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you look at um, players leaving. Uh, Andreas Felice, 6'2 combo guard. Um 46 from the floor, 27 from 377 from the line, uh, 11 points a game. Yeah, you know, I, the Big Ten is not a league where you see a lot of JUCOs anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And that's for a lot of reasons. It, it was never like a heavy, heavy Juco league. Like I, I always think about the, um, the peak of junior college basketball was the seventies and the eighties to me. And so I think of leagues like the old Southwest conference or the, the big eight at that time, those were Juco heavy leagues. The big 10 had it. Michigan state used to do that some, mm-hmm. um, as did others, but it was never the heaviest. And, and it's less so now because one, there's not nearly as much talent that goes that route. I mean, it used to be that the elite Juco players in the seventies and eighties, you know, guys like Larry Johnson at UNLV, oh. uh, Walter Berry at St. John's. I mean, they were guys who were first team all Americans who came from the Juco ranks. You almost never see that anymore. And so for that reason, and I think academics are part of it. There's a lot of reasons. You don't see Big Ten teams go heavy. But Feliz was a JUCO guy, and I think he actually delivered for them. You know, the, the jump shooting you mentioned was a little suspect, but he was kind of a presence. He was a leader for them. He was a really good defensive player. And, you know, 11 points a game, he obviously proved to be productive, even though he wasn't a great shooter. Mm. So I think he's he's a guy they're going to miss. You know, they're, they're bringing in, as we're going to talk about it, there's a lot more perimeter talent coming on board this year. And there are probably multiple guys who have are more quote-unquote talented than Feliz that are going to be a part of the team this year. But the question is, do they fit and do they produce better than he did overall? Mm-hmm. That's an open question. Uh, and then you got Alan Griffin, um, who elects to transfer to Syracuse, uh, which is a kind of a loss for them because he was averaging 8.9 points a game, four and a half rebounds, um, 48 from the floor, 42 from three, 86 from the line. Um, yeah. A, a bigger loss than I think people realize because this is a team – that offensively really couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. I mean, they, they struggled to shoot from deep. They were pretty good at the rim because they had a guard like the who could penetrate and finish. They obviously had Coburn inside on the blocks, but jump shooting was a real problem. And Griffin was the one guy that was a reliable deep threat. You know, you mentioned plus 40%, right? Mm-hmm. So coming into this season, I think jump shooting is the single biggest question they've got. You know, can they shoot better? If they can't, it's going to be hard for them to win a championship. Not having their best shooter when they thought they'd have him back, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure why he left, to be honest, other than the fact that he's from New York. Yeah. So it might have just been about that, but he was playing a lot at Illinois. So you, you never know with these things. Sometimes there can obviously be clashes internally that never get made public but you know guys are just sick of each other you know who knows but it's a loss at mm-hmm. least on paper uh and then kipper nichols uh who was a 6-6 senior um 14 minutes a game 3.4 points two rebounds uh kind of saw his role decrease a bit yeah and that's a sign that illinois was getting better mm-hmm. you know he he was a guy like if you remember that game we talked about when Michigan state went to Champaign a, a couple of years prior. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons they stayed close is Kipper Nichols had like an all time game shooting the three. <laughs> he just couldn't miss. And he was, it wasn't the only time he did that. He would be good for that kind of game like two or three times a year. And then he'd just fall off the map mm-hmm. in terms of production. He'd play minutes, 
but he wouldn't produce. So I think that's who he was. He was a guy who was better in small doses. If you didn't have to rely on him for major contributions, you were probably better off as a team if you had guys who could earn more minutes. And that's where it got to last year with him. So it was a good sign. You know, he was a guy who was in the rotation. He said 14 minutes. that He had a role, mm. but I think they can adequately replace that. Whereas the, the first two guys we mentioned, I'd be a little more concerned. Mm. Uh, and then Tevian Jones, 6'7 wing, uh, who transfers out to Southern Utah, uh, but didn't play a, a, a ton, only 13 games. Yeah, and he he had a couple of suspensions, so that's probably the right move. Um he showed some flashes as a freshman, you know, six, seven, but had some skill to him. You know, you could see as a, maybe a matchup problem as a wing, but, or even an undersized four at times. But obviously when a guy gets suspended twice, that's probably time to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for returning players, Ayu Dusunmu, six, four junior, uh, elects to come back after kind of testing the pro waters a little bit. Um, but he was 16.6 points a game, 4.3 rebounds, um, 3.3 assists a game, uh, 48 from the floor, only 30% from three, 76 from the line. Yeah, um, I, I think he did more than test it a little bit. <laughs> I, think he, I think he tested it a lot. And it's surprising to me and I think to a lot of people that we are talking about Io DeSunmu playing a junior year at Illinois because, frankly, I don't think that many people figured there'd be a sophomore year. Mm. Um, it's a credit to him. You know, I, I will openly admit, having seen him in high school, I was skeptical. Not not of the raw talent, because it was obvious. But, you know, I've told this story more than once. I saw him play Foster Lawyers team in an AAU game at um, at EYBL Indy. And Foster Lawyer, who I think you've seen at Michigan State, is not really a guy who's running his mouth or anything. He just yeah. let us play. You're talking, he got under Ayo DeSumu's skin because he was busting them. He was just hitting shots. They were running him out of the gym. And DeSumu lost his cool and at one point put – an elbow into Foster back of Foster lawyer's neck and he got teed up and, you know, it was a big deal. Um, but it, it made me wonder, it's like, is this guy that fra- that fragile mentally, uh-huh. you know, it's one of those things you kind of put in the back of your mind. And so I really wondered about that. I said, well, he's obviously got talent, but he's, his skill game has, some, there's some work to do there. I didn't think he was a natural point guard. And I mostly still don't believe that. And his jumper was very inconsistent. And that's also mostly true Mm. to this day. But, you know, I wondered, how's he going to react when, you know, he's being guarded by an Aaron Henry type, let's say, and it gets frustrating. You know, is this kid just going to lose it? And and then you also wonder how much adversity does he want to fight through? And his freshman year, let's be honest, Illinois wasn't very good. Yeah. So it kind of made sense that he would leave. And I think that was the expectation, but he didn't. And then he comes back and they obviously had a much better year. He had a much better year. And so again, you think, well, this is, this is probably it. And it wasn't, he's come back. (laughs) So 
I give him credit. I think you, you hear good things about him now as a teammate. Um, he's obviously, I don't think you can doubt that he has commitment both to making himself a better player and to putting that program back on more solid ground. You know, I, I, I don't think you can question that. I give him the benefit of the doubt on those fronts for sure at this stage. Mm. So that's all really positive stuff. But on the other hand, there's always a but. I don't think it was – this was not Miles Bridges coming back. Yeah. For, for all his physical tools, and he's they're, they're legion, all the things I just said about him, the fact that he's not really uh, a slam dunk to project as a point guard at the next level, I don't think he's – or even this level, I don't think he's shown that – and his jump shot is still very much a work in progress. I don't know where he would have been drafted. I think he would have been drafted somewhere. But I don't think – there didn't seem to be a lot of indication that he was a likely first-rounder. Mm-hmm. And so, as I say, this wasn't Miles Bridges coming back where he was you know, in the lottery conversation and not to come back. That was not the case for DeSunbo. The good news is for Illinois, they're getting a guy coming back who projects as one of the best players in the Big Ten. And I think he will be. I think he improved a lot defensively, and I think he's lethal off the dribble. Mm. You know, 6'4", and with his handle on athleticism, he is a tough cover. If he wants to get to the next level and maybe be a guy who can push someone like Garza for player of the year in the league and lead Illinois to a Big Ten title, he's got to find more consistency with the jumper. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Without that, he's still really good, but he's not great. That's my view. Uh, And then they bring back Kofi Coburn, 6'10", 13.3 points a game, 8.8 rebounds, 27 and a half minutes. Um, impressive year uh, by him. Yeah. yeah, you know what the most impressive thing out of those numbers you just read is to me? The minutes. Mm-hmm. Because because I really wondered, is he conditioned well enough to play that kind of, those kind of minutes at Illinois? And he was. And it wasn't like there were a lot of points where, wow, they're playing him too much. You know, he's got a two or three minute stretch every half where he's just getting blown by because he's sucking wind. Not the case. Mm. He held up physically, and he's just a monster. You know, I mean, you were talking about strength is unbelievable. Yeah, he just occupies so much space. He's so strong, and yet, as we talked about with our Michigan State preview, there were times, especially in Big Ten play, where he was neutralized by length, which was Mm. surprising to me because he's uh, he's basically a seven footer himself. So you don't imagine that happening, but it did. You know, Marcus Bingham really, really hampered him. He didn't play great in either Michigan State game. Um, and there were other games over the course of the season where he struggled some. But obviously, there were also a lot of games where he produced. So you are talking about a guy who had a very, very good freshman year. I do think, especially with most of the great big men in the league last year, the guys at the top of the heap, other than Garza, the other ones are gone. Mm-hmm. I think Coburn becomes, you know, 
part of that elite pack now. And I think he's going to have a monster sophomore season. I think for him, it's all about, can he continue to improve his conditioning some so he could play even more minutes? Um, can he find a consistency of production, which I think he lacked a little bit last year? Can he shoot free throws better? Always a factor with kids his size who play the game. You know, people are going to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then can he maybe make a bigger impact defensively? You know, he definitely gives him a shot blocking presence, but I think he could be, and that kind of goes along with conditioning. I think he can be better still. So lots of upside for him. Pretty good as he is, but I think he can be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Trent Fraser, six one senior, 30 minutes a game, 9.1 points a game on 33 from the floor, 31 from three, and 85 from the line. Yeah, you know, he's he was a really highly regarded recruit out of Florida. And uh, he was uh, the last big recruit that um, Gross had. And then he stuck with Illinois, even though they, they made the coaching change. Mm. I don't think he's been what they thought he would be, because I think what they thought he could be was, you know, an all Big Ten kind of guard. And he's never been good enough offensively to be that. But what they've gotten is still pretty good because he's turned into a pretty good defensive player and he's an emotional leader that this team needs. You know, I think he's a guy who can kind of rally people and and you need that. And it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's Tum Tum Naren. Mm. You know, Frazier, Frazier actually contributes a lot, even though he's a questionable shooter. Um but I think he brings enough value as an overall player that he's an important part of this thing. And he'll be a starter and, you know, play a lot of minutes. No question about that. If he could somehow shoot better, boy, that'd be a big boost. And they need these, some of these guys, Dasomu, Frazier, they need to get a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they bring back Georgie, um, Bishanis Vili, 6'10", junior, um, only 6.8 points a game and 4.8 rebounds after a, um, really good freshman, surprisingly good freshman year, um, where he put up 12 and a half points and 5.2 rebounds, but kind of moves over to the four with Kofi Coburn coming in. And that seemed to hamper him a little bit. Kind of a, a little bit of a victim of the, the addition of Coburn and the position shift, even though Illinois got a lot better defensively. I, I still have questions about playing those guys together mm. at both ends, frankly. You know, Basanishvili did shoot a little better from range, but that's kind of the only thing he did better. He wasn't used as much, so some of the raw numbers are lower for that reason. But even in terms of efficiency, he just wasn't as good a player. And he was really good as a freshman. Mm. I mean, he came out of nowhere and – very low profile guy from overseas. I think it played a prep school year in the U S and then was just instantly an effective post player. They used him differently. I don't think it worked completely, but you know, I also don't know how else you do it because if you can get Kofi Coburn, you take him. Yeah. And you got to use him. Right. So it's a tough spot. I, I get that. Um, I just don't know if it's the ideal fit with those guys together unless Bishanishvili can show more of a stretch game and then maybe it makes more sense. But, but then again, 
I look at him defensively, and I imagine, you know, he's trying to guard guys like, you know, Isaiah Livers at Michigan or even a Joey Hauser at Michigan State. I think that's that's a lot to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, chase those guys on the arc. I, I I don't know. I like him. He's a really easy kid to root for. If, if Illinois isn't playing Michigan State, I don't have any particular love or hate for their program, but I like him. Mm-hmm. He's short. If you've ever seen him interviewed, he's got a lot of personality. You know, he's easy to like, easy to root for. So I hope for his sake he has a better year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Damani Williams, uh, 6'3", senior, um, 2.8 points a game last year in 21 uh, and a half minutes. Um, didn't shoot too well, 35, 28, and 70. Yeah, and we've talked about him many times before. Uh, he's a legacy. He's the son of Frank Williams, and, mm. and Frank Williams is an all-time great. He was part of that uh, that great team that Bill Self had uh, with the Peoria guys. He was one of the Peoria guys, uh, along with Marcus Griffin and Sergio McLean, that group. And Frankie Williams was a great player. His son is not a great player, but I think he's become a useful one. I think he's finally fit into a role. You mentioned very little in the way of scoring, but he still played 21 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because he defends and he fits. He fits into what they're doing and doesn't demand too much of the ball. And that's a good thing because he's not a great shooter. He never has been. He doesn't have it. You know, his dad was a point guard. He's not really even a point guard. So he doesn't have that creativity to make everyone better via playmaking, but he can be part of an effective offense by doing, by spacing, by moving the ball, by being in the right spot at the right time, by not trying to do too much. And then again, as I say, defensively, he's really found a niche. So I like him as part of their group. And he's a senior, so he's seen a lot. He's been around. Um, so that's where he fits. I could see his minutes coming back a little bit because they got a lot of talent coming in mm-hmm. this year on the perimeter. But I think he's going to still have a role because of his strengths, what he brings. Uh, and then Benjamin Bosman Verdonk, um, product of Belgium, 6'9", 230, redshirt freshman, um, played in only nine games uh, last year before uh, kind of suffering a foot injury. Yeah, but they like him. And the reason they like him is he's got some size. And they think he's also got the ability to stretch the floor. As I keep alluding to, if Illinois is going to win things this year and not just be good, they got to shoot the ball better. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find a guy who can help you offensively by doing that, I think there's probably a role. Whether he'll do that consistently enough to earn minutes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's also the fact that um, – they could probably use decent depth behind their big guys. You know, mostly between Colburn and Georgie, they got it covered. Uh-huh. But you could use a third body. Mm. Uh, and then Jermaine Hamlin, 6'10", 230-pound sophomore, um, only averaged four minutes a game uh, in 16 games last year. He's the other candidate for that role. Uh-huh. I don't think he's as versatile a shooter, but... Again, young, big, kind of guy you take a flyer on and hope you win the lottery, mm-hmm. you know, and then he develops. Um, 
I don't think there are a lot of minutes for another big man, but I think there are some for one of these two guys. Mm. Okay, so for newcomers, um, they get uh, Austin Hutcherson, a 6'6", 180-pound transfer from um, Westland University, a D3 school. Um, what are they hoping for with him? A lot, actually. <laughs> I think what they're hoping for is they're hoping that lightning strikes the same way it did for Michigan with Duncan Robinson. He's coming mm. out of the same league. And if you, most of our listeners probably don't have a great feel for D3 basketball, but the, that <laughs> New England league that he comes out of and that Duncan Robinson came out of is really high-level basketball. There's a lot of good basketball at that level. I, I say this, I have a little bit of a bias. My brother-in-law played for Williams. He was a starter at Williams. Um in the eighties, uh, the same school that Duncan Robinson came out of, hmm. he was not good enough to transfer to a D one school, but, <laughs> um, but these two guys have been. So I think they think that, and he's not the same player as Duncan Robinson. He's a good shooter, but not that level of shooter. You know, Duncan Robinson, as we know, has continued to, against all odds guys, has actually become a solid NBA player based in large part on the fact that he can shoot threes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hutcherson's not that, but uh, he shot 39% his last year at Wesleyan from three. So that's an indication that he's probably going to be okay. Again, it's a, it's a transfer up situation. You never know. But I think they're more optimistic, and it's a big transfer up. It's not just from a low major. It's from a D3, right? Yeah. Um, but here's the other thing that makes me wonder about it. He also had offers from Notre Dame, Creighton, and Marquette. So that certainly indicates that Illinois was not out on a limb uh-huh. and thinking this guy could help. He had a lot of high major programs after him. Um. But again, I think the bottom line is they think he's capable of helping out on or off the ball. They think he's got some playmaking skills to him. Uh, I think to me, the question marks are, is he strong enough physically and can he defend well enough to earn a lot of minutes? Illinois seems to think he will be part of their rotation. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, But it's fascinating just because of the story, because you just don't see this very often. (laughs) I mean, Duncan Robinson was the first guy I I'm sure there had been other guys that had done it. I just couldn't think of them before Duncan Robinson did it. And even there you could understand it because he was so unique as a six, eight guy who could shoot the way he could shoot. Mm. You know, you kind of understood it and he had problems in Michigan. He was a terrible defensive player. He didn't really do anything for them other than shoot threes. Uh, this kid seems to be a little different profile. Like they seem to think he can contribute in a lot of ways. And that would be really interesting mm-hmm. to see it happen. Uh, so then they got Jacob Grandison, who's uh, eligible this year after transferring in from Holy Cross, uh, six, six junior. Uh, so he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, uh, and two, almost three assists per game um, as a sophomore at Holy Cross. Yeah, um, and shot okay, 43-37-80. You know, he's versatile. They think he can play on the wing or as an undersized four guy, and they've got some room for that with Alan Griffin gone. You know, I think they have a need. 
And that could be how Hutcherson fits in too, even though he's a little light for that. You know, I could see them going um, with a little smaller look. Uh, but Grandison for sure could fit into that role. You know, again, transfer up, right? Uh, you have to be skeptical. But to his credit, I don't think Illinois is looking at him. They're definitely not expecting him to be a starter. And he doesn't have to be a major minutes guy. I think if they got solid rotation contributions, that's a success. And he looks to me to potentially be a candidate to do that. You don't know how the deep shooting will translate. That's always the first thing I'm skeptical about, besides point scoring in general, is how does that translate? He was 37% of Holy Cross. Is that going to mean he's 30% for Illinois? <laughs> Can he be like 34%? Mm. You know, the latter, he might be effective. The former, maybe not so much. Uh, so then they bring in Adam Miller um, as a highly regarded freshman, 6'4", from Morgan Park in Chicago. Yeah, uh, kind of an interesting story because he, com- he comes from the same high school program as Desunmu. Mm-hmm. And all along, you know, that was a tough recruitment and there were points that people didn't think he'd go to Illinois. And then when they did get a commitment from him, he didn't play and sign his letter of intent. And the word was, if for some reason the Sun Moo came back, Miller would not end up at Illinois. Wow. And it was around playing time. Well, the Sun Moo came back and Miller stuck with his letter of intent. So here he is. Um. There's a possibility, I think, you can't rule out that he could be a starter. You know, when when you look at this team, Feliz was a starter and he's gone. Um, So you've got the Sun, Moon, Frazier, who I think are automatics. And then that third spot, you don't know. Could Hutcherson get in there? Might they go with Williams because of what he brings defensively and as a team guy? Maybe Grandison? Or, and, and there's a another freshman who might be in that mix or Adam Miller. I would probably bet on Miller. You know, he's six, four, um, kind of similar to Desunmu in some ways, got a good handle, but he's not really a point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can be streaky with the jump shot, but he's not a knockdown shooter, but he's athletic and he's explosive. And that handles good enough that he could be a really tough cover on the wing. So, I kind of think he's likely to be a starter, but how the minutes sort out is going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, again, Feliz played a lot of minutes, so there are minutes available. And Griffin did too. Um, I think there are minutes available, but are there enough minutes to keep all these guys happy? Because the the one thing I know is I think Desunmu is going to play a ton. He's going to, easily blow past 30 minutes a game. It yeah. might even be as much as 34, 35. Frazier, maybe he gets cut back a little bit, but I think he's still got to play a lot because he's a senior, he's experienced, he's been reasonably productive, and he's good defensively. And then how much do you want to cut DeMonte Williams back? So I don't know. But in terms of sheer talent, Miller's the guy who – should be your third starter. I just don't know about the fit and how happy everybody's going to be. And that's something to watch for too. Mm-hmm. They've all of a sudden added a lot of guys. How do the roles sort out? And is everybody happy? Open question. Yeah. Uh, and then Andre Curbelo, six, one point guard from New York. 
Yeah, big get for Underwood. You know, he wasn't a super elite guy, wasn't a McDonald's All-American, but I've I've seen a lot of reviews of this guy, and I've actually talked to a person or two who had seen him who were really impressed. He is what they haven't had in that even during last year, you looked at Illinois, and they had a lot of guys who played and did some good things. They didn't have anybody who was really a pure creator, and that's what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't have a huge reputation as a shooter. He does have a huge reputation as a facilitator, as a playmaker, as a guy who can get shots for other people and make things happen. So I think the fact that he brings that attribute probably means he's playing a decently sized role. I just don't know how much. If anybody's going to cut into Frazier's minutes, I think he would be the guy. Yeah. Because he just brings something a little bit different and something that could elevate this team. You know, we, we've talked about it with other teams a little bit. Part of what can help a team improve shooting isn't just down to individual guys dialing in their jumpers a little better. Part of that can be they've got somebody facilitating the offense who can get the ball to them at the right time in the right spot. And that alone can make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, he could be one of those guys. So if they're going to elevate things offensively, which I think they need to do, um, he could be a piece to that puzzle for sure. And down the line, he's going to be the guy. I think starting next year, he's going to be the guy Mm. at the point. Uh, and so then they get uh, Coleman Hawkins, 6'10", 200-pound native of California. Yeah, you know, they like his strength or his length and his skill set. They they think he can shoot. He thinks, apparently, that he's a perimeter guy. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. And because he's so thin, I think, and that they've got other options, I'm going to lean toward this being a developmental year for him. Mm. But, you know, again, as we've talked about, for a team that needs shooting, if he could come in and provide that early on, who knows? Mm. But I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, and then Brandon Lieb, kind of a late addition to the class, seven footer, 210. Similar deal, except he's even taller. Uh, but he seems even more of a certainty for a developmental year. It's a late addition. And I think one that Illinois people were a little, you know, confused by. But again, I think Underwood is kind of buying a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think he's very skilled. They use legitimate three-point range, and his length you can't teach. So if he can get stronger, that could pay dividends on the defensive end. But I would think this has got to be a redshirt year. There are also some questions about his motor, which is not unusual for young big men. So can he learn to play hard consistently enough? That would be another thing. I think all of that adds up to redshirt. Okay. Well, that does it for their lineup. Um, well, this is pretty high for Illinois. Um, what what makes it uh, Illinois stand out as somebody in that top tier to you? Well, I think it's that they've got a lot coming back from a team that was pretty good last season. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not quite as good as their Big Ten record indicated. I think you know you look at the metrics and you look a little deeper at their statistical performance, and you know the the record might have flattered them a little bit, but still, it was a breakthrough season. There's there's no way around that, 
And when you bring as much back, especially your two best players, you've, you've got to be optimistic about the future. Why I like them better than Iowa um, is a pretty easy answer for me. You know, I, I look at what that team did in improving defensively. Mm. You know, they weren't great on offense, um, but they ended up 38th. It's okay. Inside the top 40 is okay. They were 35th on defense, which was a huge improvement over the two previous year, where I believe they were sub 100. Mm. Um, so I like the repeatability of that balance. Mm. And I think there's a chance that they get better offensively. I won't say it's definitive, but if you have some guys improve, and that's possible, and some of the new guys elevate the shooting on this team, you could see improvement on the offensive end. Mm. And I, I like their depth. They've got a lot of guys who appear to be capable of helping them. I think this could be a team that legitimately goes 9-10 deep. That's always a positive. Um, you know, and again, star power at the top, Coburn and DeSunmu, that's a great place to start from. Uh, so I, I think that they need to make significant improvement offensively if they're going to win the big 10, I think they could, I'm not picking them to win it. Obviously I've got them second, um, but they're going to be in the mix. I'd be shocked if they're not. Okay. Well, that'll do it for Illinois. Um, until next time, the final four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.